Morning, Elevate. How are we all this morning? A few new faces as well, so Echo Louis, welcome to you this morning. Great to have you here. I think you made a great decision. Of all the things you could have done, I think there's nowhere better to be than in God's house with God's people. In fact, there's a writer in the Bible that says, better one day in God's house than a thousand elsewhere. If you say, oh, I've got nothing better to do, you know what? We've got nothing better to do. We've got other things we could do. Well, you chose to be here, so well done. Glad you're here. You're actually uh, tacking on to the last week of a four-week conversation that we've been having here throughout Elevate Church around the topic of being blessed. And uh, we've actually looked and unpacked some of what uh, maybe some people might not have actually associated as being God's blessings over the last three weeks. And you can catch up with the, uh, the content of those messages on our podcast. You can go onto our website and even actually listen direct from our website. You don't even have to go to the podcast, but uh, you can catch up with those. Um, we talked about being blessed with the need for community, that God's idea for his church wasn't just to come for an hour on a Sunday and sit in rows and look at the back of a, the head of someone that you maybe you know, barely even know, but in addition to, to be doing life in community, that we're not to do life together alone and that we all need, and we're actually blessed with the need for deep-spirited friendships. And uh, so we talked about that. We talked about the fact that we're blessed to share his story, that God's only plan. It wasn't that he had plan A followed by plan B, and if that didn't work, we'll go to plan C. He had one plan, one plan to see his message, that he sent his son Jesus to die in our place, that, that he would take the place uh, for us, for our sins, that we could find forgiveness and be restored into relationship with God. His only plan to have that story shared to have his kingdom expanded is through us, his church. We're blessed that he chose us. Last week, we talked about this idea that we're blessed to be a blessing. And when I spoke last week about being blessed to be a blessing, and again, apologies for those of you that weren't here. Make sure you're here every week. You missed some good stuff. But let me catch you up. I introduced us to a guy named Jeff Schinnebarger. So don't try to say that 10 times fast. You might end up saying a swear word accidentally. But his name's Jeff Schinnebarger. And I first came across Jeff Schinnebarger. And uh, he's the author of a book, uh, more or less. And I talked a bit, uh, a couple of stories from that book last week and strongly encourage you to get a hold of that. But this is Jeff. I first came across Jeff. I knew nothing of him and nothing of his story. Uh, in March this year, so earlier this year, I went to a church leaders conference in Atlanta, Georgia, called Drive Conference. And it's put on there by a local church called North Point Community Church. Great, great church. And when you go to a church leaders conference, you, you turn up, you know, you register online, but you turn up on the day to pick up your, your, your little kind of lanyard and so on. And, and you almost always get a nice bit of swag. You go to a conference, you get a nice bit of swag. And this church, they know how to do things well. They don't do sloppy. They bring their best. And they, they gave everyone a nice swag and a nice swag bag. And this is the swag bag that I got given. Nice bit of swag in there. And as I pulled it up, you know, open and, and had a look at all the goodies and chucked out the stuff that I couldn't care less about to lighten the, the load, um, I noticed that on the inside of the flap, this little tag here said plywoodpeople.com. Intriguing. And I have an extremely curious nature. So I had to log on straight away. I'm sitting there with my little iPhone. I log on straight away. Who in the world is this plywoodpeople.com? They obviously have something to do with the bag. Their label's stitched on the inside of that. And, and I came across plywoodpeople.com and uh, went onto their website. And it kind of 
I really, it was like the first domino. It was like the first domino that sent me on a cascading journey from that day forward uh, since March. And actually, I want to let Jeff tell you a little bit of the story behind Plywood People. Clarkston is a neighborhood just outside of Atlanta, and about 10 years ago, the government recognized it as a place with many apartments and a a location that they could place refugees coming into the United States. I was born in Baltimore. Yes, uh, I have only, I'm I'm only one child. I married in 1993. Uh, my husband's name is uh, Nei Luen. In my country, government is um, like a um, dictatorship. My husband, he active, I mean, he's a volunteer bodyguard. As uh, I must stay at home. As uh, all, only one me make the money, family take care. Uh, what I mean, my husband, he can do the volunteer bodyguard is that every person don't help me I mean you know I'm a I mean I'm a good wife most of the refugees that arrive in Clarkston don't know English so they have limited opportunities for jobs the most common job that they receive is a job at a chicken factory they are treated very poorly Uh, Many of the stories from the women that we know have been kicked and have been spit on, have been um, cussed out and talked down to. We are like a compare with machine, you know. One minute per 37 chicken, cut off the chicken shoulder. You know, I'm a lady. I'm a human. I drink the water. I eat food. Ah, I want to go to the bedroom. I call the help helper. It's a they say, one minute, one minute. But they never they never come. So Plywood People started a new project here in Clarkston. And we are employing refugee women. There's eight women that we have on our team, and it's a one-year job training program. They start by learning how to sew, and they get ESL classes every Friday for two hours. They get financial training. Most of the women didn't even have bank accounts before they started with us. These women work 30 hours a week and are paid fair wages. And while they're here, they make bags and wallets and iPad cases made out of upcycled billboards. A lot of people ask us where we get these billboards. We literally get them from the streets of Atlanta and all over the Southeast. They're donated to us. We clean them. We cut them into the shapes of the products that we're trying to produce. And then we sew them together. Plywood People Project help to the refugee lady. Our lady have to learn how to use sewing machine, how to make the, you know, bed. And some lady, they live a long time, but they can speak English. 
this plywood people project help to teaching English? The most simple thing you can do today is buy one billful, buy a bag, buy one of these products that these women have made, not out of charity, but out of dignity. These people are making these products with their own hands, and when you purchase them, you're bringing them back to their humanity. You're giving them hope and opportunity. And plywood people, their mission, they encapsulate by a statement. It was up very, very early on. We will be known by the problems we solve. Here's a guy, Jeff Schinnebarger. First of all, he recognized that billboards, now, now this is actually coming into Australia. Billboards used to be like the, you know, a bit of uh, paper put up on the board with a bit of glue. Now they're actually done in a, in a sort of a vinyl wrap. And uh, that's increasingly happening in, the, in, in Australia, even on real estate uh, signboards out the front of houses. When the advertising campaign's finished, those vinyl wraps are taken out and just thrown into landfill. So first of all, we've got a problem with environmental issues. So Jeff Schinnebarger, Plywood People, recognized that they could actually upcycle those used billboard materials. So this bag is actually was once a billboard or part of a billboard. So they solved one problem. Brilliant. Genius. And they started making bags and wallets and iPad cases from those. They found out that these, this area in Atlanta, these, uh, these women, these refugee women, they've, they've, they're sponsored by the U.S. government for 90 days when they first arrive as refugees into the U.S. For 90 days, they're sponsored. At the end of 90 days, they're expected to have found a job, found a home, found a means of transport, made some friends, learned the language, set up a bank account, and on day 91, you're on your own. Now, that's no one's fault, but that was just the, that was another problem. And so Jeff connected the dots. We've got the, the, the opportunity to upcycle what would otherwise be landfill billboards. We've got the opportunity to employ these, these refugee women, teach them English, help them set up bank accounts, give them dignity, pay them fair wages, don't cut things off after, after 90 days. And, and, and uh, here we stand, you know. Looking at them as just a really, really great example of people who live by the creed. We will be known by the problems we solve. A few months ago, uh, for those of you that were here, but again, if you weren't, let me catch you up. I introduced us to an, an organization called Thank You Water. And Thank You Water, as the name would suggest, trade in water. Water if you're on an American uh, airline and they ask you what you'd like to drink, make sure you say water, because when you say wooda, they have no idea what you're talking about. We don't serve wooda, whatever wooda is. Thank you, wooda, is, uh, is actually an organization under the banner, like plywood people, of, so, of a social enterprise organization. It was started by a Melbourne guy named Daniel Flynn. When he was in university, at the age of 19, he recognized there was an opportunity, there was a need, there was a problem that needed solving. And at the age of 19, while still a university student, he realized that he could actually make a difference and uh, solve a problem. And let me give you a little bit of an infographic of how Thank You Water works. Every human deserves the right to access clean water. But right now, there are currently 900 million people who can't. Children are the worst here, with almost 4,500 dying every day. We believe that Australians can change this. In sub-Sahara Africa, 
Children can walk for over four kilometers each day to collect water to keep them alive. Ironically, it could be this water that ends up killing them. Each month, some children walk over 120 kilometers to access something that we take for granted. Here's what's incredible though. Even with the margins as low as they are at our end of the bottled water industry, every bottle of Thank You Water sold will provide at least one month's worth of water to a person who needs it. According to the UN, the minimum amount required for one person is 20 litres per day. That's 600 litres for a month's worth of water to drink, to cook and to clean. This represents 600 litres. That's one month's worth of water. This much water sold in Australia will provide at least one month's water for someone who really needs it. Something so little can make such a big difference. That's the power of one bottle, and it doesn't stop there. Our water projects are built to last a lifetime, bring entire communities access to clean drinking water for the rest of their lives. Clean water lowers infant mortality rates, raises life expectancy, provides opportunity for children to be educated and for parents to find employment. It's an everyday essential that allows communities to look beyond their basic needs. Clean water has the power to lift people out of poverty and on behalf of the lives that you are changing by drinking this water, we say thank you. Pretty cool, hey? So that was only four years ago. He's 23 years old now, Daniel Flynn. This uh, water is now available um, in uh, Woolworths, Coles, Australia Post outlets, 7-Eleven stores, and, and, and uh, that'll continue on. One bottle of water, this one bottle of water, will give someone access to clean drinking water for one month. There's a guy who saw a problem and threw himself in to become the solution. You go into their website, the first thing you see is the tag, live every day, give every day. It's the great, great creed to be living by. And actually, I introduced them to you a few months ago because they were starting a viral marketing campaign to get an expanded line of products. They realized that not only uh, does lack of access to clean drinking water present compounding problems in developing countries around the world, but of course, there was issues of food, and hunger and food shortage. There was issues of, of sanitation and so on. So they started developing a, an expanded line of products, some food products, um, some, some hygiene and sanitation products. One of them I got this week from my local Woolies. It's called a life-changing nut bar. Now, I'd like to actually have people accuse me of being that, a life-changing nut bar. I'd be very, very happy. I'd take that as a compliment. And so should you. But here's an example of something that they're selling. And they have the little tagline that changing the world should leave a good taste in your mouth. Good little expression, hey? But this is some Melbourne guys, kids. Some of you might think of them as, and I love that about them. Thank you, water. Thank you, nut bars, cereals, muesli bars, sanitation products, beauty products. This, for example, this box, this nut bar will actually, by you purchasing this, will provide one week's food to someone in a developing country and long-term sustainable food products. It's genius. It's so simple and it's brilliant. This morning, I want to introduce you to Blake McCoskey. Now, Blake McCoskey is an LA-based guy. He just finished competing with his sister on The Amazing Race. They came second by mere minutes 
Oh, then wouldn't that just rip your undies? And uh, at the age of 26, Blake uh, went on a trip to Argentina. And during his time in Argentina, it became very, very vividly vivid to him, front and center, that, that one of the biggest issues, one of the biggest problems in many developing countries, including Argentina, is the lack of shoes, the lack of footwear, and, 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 and the limitations that that provides. And so he just came up with a very simple concept. Under the banner of Tom's Shoes, he launched the company Tom's Shoes. Tom's Shoes gives new shoes to children in need. But let me have them explain how it works. What if I started a shoe company and every time I sold a pair of shoes, I gave a pair away? And that way, if as long as I continue to keep selling shoes, these kids will have shoes for the rest of their life. How great's that? See, we need to be reminded that right now, at this very moment, someone in some part of the world is praying for the very things that we take for granted. 
Someone right now in the world is praying for clean drinking water. Right now, someone in the world is praying for their next meal. Right now, someone somewhere in the world is praying that they can have a pair of shoes. And I love that Blake McCoskey saw the problem and ran towards the solution. Now, that was in 2006. He doesn't call himself the CEO. He calls himself the chief shoe giver of Tom's Shoes. And since 2006, they've now given over 10 million pairs of shoes away. For every pair of shoes someone buys, they give a pair away over 10 million pairs of shoes. Amazing, huh? And it doesn't actually stop there. In just uh, recent times, Blake saw the opportunity that, that poor eyesight, people's vision issues, which are often very curable, uh, were, 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 were a major concern in developing countries. And so they've expanded from just from shoes to also now adding sunglasses to their range. And for every pair of sunglasses they sell, they actually restore someone's sight somewhere in the world. Amazing, amazing stuff. And the other organization I want to introduce you to today is an organization called Sevenly. It's a play on the word seven and play on the word heavenly. And I'll explain how that came about in a moment. But this organization, Sevenly, was started by two Southern Californian entrepreneurs named Dale Partridge and Aaron Chavez. And this is these two guys, younger entrepreneurs, started the organization Sevenly in June 2011. Thinking that might be my phone for a second. Wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Good time for a coffee break. I'll tell you what the coffee is later on too. It's worth waiting for. And they declared their mission as leading a generation towards generosity. Leading a generation towards generosity. And they created from scratch in June 2011 a very simple model, a business model, which is referred to as a crowdfunding platform called Sevenly. Again, I want to use an infographic to explain how this works. We were tired. Tired of people going hungry. Tired of homelessness. Tired of sexual trafficking. And tired of people dying of curable disease. And worst of all, we were tired of not taking action. After months of research, we realized the problem for these causes is, and always has been, the same. A lack of funding. Welcome to Sevenly, an organic funding movement to raise capital and awareness for the world's greatest causes. This is how it works. Every week, Sevenly partners with a new nonprofit. A unique tea is designed to reflect the mission of their specific organization. The tea is only available for seven days, and then it's gone forever. And for every tea sold, Sevenly will give $7 directly to that week's charity. So, let's think organic. Imagine if one person buys a tea at sevenly.org and shares it on their social network. Five of their friends see the post and get behind the cause, buy a tea, and share it with their network. As the cycle continues, thousands see the movement, teas are sold, awareness is increased, and the cause is funded. And in just seven days, thousands of dollars will be raised and lives will be changed. So come on, buy a tea or just share a tea. We look forward to changing the world together. Join us now at sevenly.org. Now, Sevenly's only been going for just over a year, and I couldn't get a current 
uh, exact figure of how much they've actually raised and given away uh, in that time. But, you know, one T-shirt, they give $7 of that to a cause for one week. But it's, it's already multiple millions of dollars. And uh, just, just, just brilliant. Now, you might be wondering why I'm sharing these stories with you, why I'm talking about these social enterprises this morning. Am I, am I talking about them because I want you to go out and buy some thank you water and some nut bars and I want you to jump on plywoodpeople.com and order yourself a bag or an iPad case? Am, am I telling you that go and grab yourself a sevenly shirt and slip on a pair of Tom's shoes? Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm sitting here drinking thank you water. I'll be passing these nut bars on to somebody who's hungry later on. Come and see me. I brought these up here in a plywoodpeople.com Calm bag, I'm wearing a sevenly t-shirt, be the change you hope to see in the world is the slogan on the front of this, which is another great creed to live by, and I'm rocking a pair of Tom's shoes. I'm not on commission for any of these organizations, though it wouldn't change my level of passion for why we should think about if you're going to buy water, buy thank you water instead of sparkling Mount Franklin, which lines the coffers of Coca-Cola in their... Coca-Cola? It doesn't really matter, actually. And their shareholders... Uh, you know, actually our buying choices, our shopping choices do actually have domino effect in the world that we live in. So it's, it's, it's actually critically important that we consider good buying choices, good shopping habits. And uh, Christmas coming up, you know, think shoes, think T-shirts, think bags, think absolutely, absolutely. We're going to be, every time we have a speaker here, guest speaker, whatever, they will be given a bottle of thank you water. And uh, we will be... Uh, You'll probably start to see some of our leaders and team members. We like giving gifts here. You'll probably start to see some of them rocking some sevenly shirts and some Tom's shoes as uh, recipients of generosity from our leadership to them. Um, Just good choices. Anyway, but that's not the only reason I'm talking about these social enterprises. Maybe you're thinking, am I suggesting someone here or some of you here should start a social enterprise? Why not? Maybe that's exactly what I'm saying. More importantly, maybe that's exactly what God's saying. You need to figure that out. It might not be for everybody, but it might be for some of you. And by the way, if it is, if this is something you think is actually, you'd even like to maybe just have have a little scratch around the shallow end of the pool end, there's a couple of books. One of them was written by Blake McCoskey. Start Something That Matters. If you're going to name a book something and write about it, it's a good place to start. You can buy that from Amazon. And then the guys at Plywood People have just released this book uh, last month, From Clouds to Concrete, and actually profiles 35 different stories of people who started social enterprises and how they went about it. And so great, great resource there. I've ordered them for myself because uh, I'd like to be as as a leader on the pointy end of driving social innovation here through Elevate Church. But you know, for all of us, universally, the reason that I'm sharing this is each one of us is blessed with a burden. Each one of us, God has put something inside of us that stirs us and God through that calls us to action. Every one of us sees problems and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But I love these guys like Jeff Schinnebarger. I love these guys like Blake McCoskey. I love the guys from Sevenly. I love the guys from Thank You Water. 
I love it that they put themselves, you know, they went looking for trouble. We're told, told as we grow up, don't, don't go looking for trouble. No, they went looking for trouble. They went looking for trouble and then they ran towards the mess with a solution and presented themselves as part of that solution. I love that. And then throughout history, there have been poster boys and poster girls, one after another, after another. And some of you have heard of them. Some of you know some of these poster boys for people who did the very same thing. There's a guy, his name's Moses. Moses had a burden. God had blessed him with a burden, a burden to lead his people, the people of Israel, God's chosen people who had been living in captivity in Egypt for a long, long time, longer than Moses cared to remember and longer than he cared to perpetuate. And so Moses looked for trouble and he ran towards the mess, said, God, I want to be part of the solution. He didn't do it straight up. He had some obedience issues. But he got there eventually. And we know about him today. We read about him today. He wasn't perfect. Far from it. But he was a poster boy for somebody that was known for the problems he solved. There's a guy named David. David. Pretty common name. Well, there's one name in history. A guy named David who went to become, on to become the king of God's chosen nation, Israel. He saw a big nine-foot guy. Standing in defiance of the armies of God, the armies of Israel, a guy named Goliath and little itty bitty shepherd boy David ran. He went looking for trouble in the name of, in the form of Goliath and ran towards Goliath and said, how dare you come against the armies of the Lord God? And he kicked his butt and he killed him. He solved the problem. There was a guy named Nehemiah. Nehemiah lived far away from his homeland of Jerusalem, but he had heard that the, that the, the, the walls of Jerusalem were in ruin. And he had a pretty cushy job where he was living, by the way, but he chose to leave that because God blessed him with a burden to go and lead the rebuilding project of the walls around Jerusalem. So he left his comfortable, convenient surroundings and he hustled 400 miles away and he got busy doing something that nobody else it stood in the way. Nobody else had run to be the solution for him, and he led that. There's a guy named Isaiah. Now, Isaiah, he doesn't actually get the props that he deserves. He was known as a prophet. So a prophet's someone that speaks the word of God. Whatever God's thinking, God might say to a prophet, shoulder tap them and say, I want you to speak these words to an audience. One day, Isaiah had a vision, and he had a vision that he, he actually saw God in all his holiness. And we might think that's a good thing. We might think, well, that would be cool. Boy, imagine being Isaiah. Imagine, imagine having that opportunity, actually having a vision where, where, where the, the, the curtains rip back and we see God, bam, front and center in all of his holiness. We might, we might want to be... We might... Let me tell you, think twice before you pray that prayer. Think twice before you pray that prayer. God, I want to see you in all your holiness. Because Isaiah saw God in all his holiness. And this is how Isaiah reacted. And it's the right reaction too, by the way. Doom. <laughs> it's doomsday. I'm as good as dead. Every word I've ever spoken is tainted. Blasphemous even. <laughs> and the people I live with talk the same way, using words that corrupt and desecrate. And here I've looked at God in the face, the king. God of the angel armies. When we stare 
at a holy God, we are reminded of, in our own strength, of just how unworthy, just how unholy we are by comparison. And it should terrify us. Thankfully, that's not the end of the story, though. God, who wants us to connect with him, who wants us to connect with his holiness, moves towards us. Isaiah recorded, Then one of the angel seraphs flew to me, and he held a live coal that he'd taken from, with tongs from the altar. And he, he touched my mouth with the coal and said, Look, this coal has touched your lips, gone your guilt, your sins wiped out. This is a picture of what Jesus did. That's why we, 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 we should be terrified when we are reminded of just how far short of God's holiness, how far short of God's glory we are. But thankfully, thankfully, the gap has been bridged. Thankfully, God moved first. Thankfully, God himself looked for trouble and ran towards the mess that we are. And he did that with Isaiah. And Isaiah records, And then I heard the voice of the master, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? This idea, God saying, I need somebody, a voice to go and tell the people, go and tell my people that they're unholy, but that there is forgiveness, but that there is redemption, that their unholiness is not a full stop, but a comma. They need to consider me. They need to to ask for forgiveness, but I need someone to, to deliver that message. I need to send someone. And Isaiah, I love it, spoke up, I'll go. Send me. And that's the position I want to encourage us to live by. That God is shoulder tapping us all the time. And he's going to shoulder tap us all differently. But he's shoulder tapping us and blessing us with a burden. And he's going to shoulder tap you. And there's a problem that you're aware of. There's a problem that you can see. There's a problem that, that, that surrounds you maybe 24-7, 365. God has blessed you with a burden. And wants you and me To become the solution. Some people are known by the problems they cause. (laughs) Right? Let's be people who are known by the problems we solve. So how do we identify our burden? Look, it's almost a no-brainer when you start to think about it. But for me, I've distilled it down to a couple of questions, three questions you can ask to identify your burden. What breaks your heart? You know, Louis talked about the number of times she cried during telephone. Go and shoulder tap Chris Judd, our family and children's team leader. Ask him how many times he cried during telethon. He would have been, he would have been on tap 28 hours last weekend. Poor guy. Couldn't wait till it's over so he could rehydrate. I absolutely guarantee you. That because the idea of sick kids absolutely breaks his heart. He will tell you that unashamedly. And he spent that 28 hours praying. He says that weekend every year is I up my spiritual warfare for those kids. Brilliant. And Chris can take some of the credit for that $21 million because of his prayers. He ran. He couldn't give the $21 million. I guarantee he gave something. But he could pray for 28 hours and he did. He saw the problem. He became the solution. Not become known for the problems we cause, but by the problems we solve. What makes you angry? What makes you pound the table? What makes you beat your chest? I can't believe that happens. 
You watch the TV, you watch the news, you drive around a certain community, you hear stories, somebody in your family tells you something, you, you, you get something in the mail, whatever it is, what is it that makes you angry? When you see, you say, I can't believe that's allowed to continue. You know what? It's allowed to continue unless you jump in, look for the trouble and run towards the mess. Because the fact that it makes you angry is a pretty safe clue that God's hardwired you to become part of the solution to that problem, whatever that problem is. And you need to fill in the blanks. What's your burden? Or this one, what do you care about that others don't? And this is the question you say, I can't believe you're passionate about it. As my British friends say, it really does make your old blood boil. And you're, you're, you're infuriated that this thing's happening. You know, that you're angry. But, but, but you're sitting there saying, I can't believe that other people don't care about this the way I care about this. How come other people aren't beating the table and beating their chest and getting angry? Well, you know what? That's the point. They're not. You are. Because God's blessed you with that burden. And... It's a pretty safe clue that whatever it is that you, I can't believe other people aren't mad about this as well. Is that because it, he's uniquely hardwired you to be a part of that solution. And that's why I haven't come up here with a smorgasbord of ideas and say, pick one. Because you've got to process this. I've got to process this. It's unique. Some of our worlds might collide and overlap. Absolutely. Brilliant. Some nice vertical integration, some nice horizontal integration. Absolutely. But, but you need to answer this. And chances are, just by asking these three questions, chances are you've already answered this. Because you just have to fill in the blank at the end of these sentences. What breaks your heart? Fill in the blank. What makes you angry? Fill in the blank. What do you care about that others don't? Fill in the blank. What is that blank? And God has called you to run towards the mess, to be known for the problems we solve. And that might not be starting a shoe company that gives shoes away. Though I'm not ruling that out and I'm being very genuine about that sort of thing. But it could be something very simple and no less significant. Something that no one will ever create a website for and, and, and put you on the front page of the New York Times. But no less significant. Maybe your burden is you don't like the thought of, of people being shut in. And so you might have someone on your street that's a shut-in, and maybe the answer to, to that, maybe your solution is to visit them. Maybe you know somebody in your local community that, that's lost the, the capacity to, to care for their, their yard. And maybe that's your thing. Once a month, you and maybe your Elevate group go along and you offer yourself once a month on a Saturday morning to just keep their yard going. That could be your burden. Again, it won't make the front page of the news, but it's no less significant. Maybe there's something in your family. Maybe there's a problem, a situation, a, a cultural trend that's been going on in your family for years and years and years, and you hate it. But instead of being living on the problem side, maybe God's given you a burden to help move your family onto the solution side. Whatever that might look like, you need to pray about this. God, give me the clarity. And by the way, if you have the clarity, then it's going to take the clarity of what the burden is then you need to actually take action. We didn't read about Moses because he had the burden and did do nothing about it. And David 
and Nehemiah and Isaiah and then the four social entrepreneurs I put up. We don't read about them. They're not the poster boys and girls because they had a burden and did nothing about it. They're the poster boys and girls because they had a burden and did something about it. God's blessed us with a burden. And this is, this is the exciting part of this. Not only do, does our responding to the burden that God's blessed us with matter, not only is that going to actually have a radical impact in the lives of other people, it actually answers a burning question that resides in every single one of us. What on earth am I here for? What's my purpose? What's my destiny? What, the Bible says that, that you were born for such a time as this. Really? To do what? This answers that question. You're in Perth. You live in a blessed city, in a blessed state, in a blessed nation for a reason. We have the sorts of passions and skills and experiences for a reason. And answering this question starts to answer the bigger question. What on earth am I here for? God, what's my unique calling, my unique destiny? It's the sort of question that is critical. This is, don't blow this question off. Let me ask you guys a final question. This is actually the most important question that we, that we ask. And we ask this every single weekend. And, and we've got people out in coffee shops and homes asking it of their friends throughout the week all the time. What's your relationship with Jesus? I alluded to it before when I started to unpack a little bit of Isaiah and his vision of God and his reaction to that. This idea that God is holy. And we're not, but God wants a relationship with us. And he, wanted, he establishes that relationship with us through his son, Jesus. But we need to actually make a decision to accept that gift of the relationship with God through his son, Jesus. We need to actually make a decision to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I put my faith in you. And we give people that opportunity every single weekend. We're going to give you that opportunity right now. If you've never actually made the decision to follow Jesus and through that decision be restored in a relationship with God, then we're going to give you that opportunity right here, right now. In a moment, if you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. In a moment, I just want you to put your hand up. You say, yeah, today that's my decision. That's my next step. I want to follow you, Jesus. When I see your hand, you can put it down. But... You're putting your hand up to God, not to me necessarily, but I want to see your hand because then we want to pray together. Pray a prayer out loud with you. We had two people make this decision last week. How many of you this morning, you know that that's the decision you need to make? That's the next step you need to take. You say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to make you my Lord. Just slip your hand up real quickly. When I see your hand, you can put it down. We don't want to miss anybody. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And the rest of us, let's be praying right now. It's a battle that goes on every time this question's asked. Just quickly slip your hand up if you've never made that decision. Say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to make you my Lord. When I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we're going to pray. Okay, Elevate. We are blessed with the opportunity to share Jesus' story. And we want to see every single week more people that don't know him here, prioritizing outsiders over insiders, seeing people cross that line, making Jesus their Lord. So let's make sure we take that 
seriously. Now, final thing. Neil and Vicky, our host team leaders, are away uh, visiting their uh, brother's church in Kalgoorlie. But Neil, being a good boy that he is, texted me yesterday afternoon to tell me what today's coffee is. the important things in life that matter. There was a couple of other incidental uh, things in there telling me who's actually leading the host team today and just, you know, miscellaneous, unimportant stuff like that. But he told me the coffee. The coffee today, it's a brand new coffee for here for Elevate. It's a single origin bean called Brazilian Black Hill Farms coffee. And Neil assures me that it is, has a, a hints of hazelnut, cocoa, and butter. So, there's something to look forward to. Brazilian Black Hill Coffee, and look out for, you've been warned, some cocoa, some hazelnut, and some butter. Awesome. Make sure you say hi to someone who's here for the first time. Have a great week, and we'll see you here next week. By the way, those of you that are registered for our long table lunch, it's going to start at 11.30 in hall number one, which is two right turns, and you're there, 11.30. Between now and then, get juked up on some coffee.